The Lord calls us to worship this morning from Psalm 84. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in You. Amen. together today as the church, the bride of Christ, that we would join our hearts together in exalting and praising the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We gather today to give you all glory and honor and praise. And Lord, we pray that by your Spirit you would fill us all, that we would have a sense of your presence and your peace in this house of worship today, and also that we would glorify you and worship you in a way that is pleasing in your sight according to your word. And Lord, we pray that as you fill us with your spirit, that we would behold and see the beauty of the gospel, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, lifted up. And Lord, we do pray, as you have control and power over all things in the world, that you would cause us to know that you also have power over us, your children. And we pray now that you would calm our hearts and minds, that we would be able to focus and to participate in worship with our whole beings. And we join our hearts and our voices together now, praying the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying out loud, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. 
This morning for our confession of faith, we're going to be reciting together the Apostles' Creed. It's on page 845 in the green hymnal, if you would like to turn there. As this is a confession of faith of what you believe, I'm going to begin by asking you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from Psalm 62. It reads, Truly, my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, God's people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a sure refuge for us. Amen. As we continue to worship, turn in your hymnal to page number 587. We'll be singing the hymn, Who is on the Lord's Side?
may be seated. And the children can come forward for the children's sermon at this time. Good morning, boys and girls. It's good to see you all. Last week we started uh, Missions Emphasis. And we've been going through the Apostles' Creed, and I wanted to take a break from it just for this week. We're almost done finishing studying the Apostles' Creed, and I wanted to ask you something this morning. Can anybody tell me what love is? What does love mean? If somebody says, I love you, what do they mean? They want to care for you. That's right. Anybody else? What does love mean? When mom and dad say, I love you, maybe they give you a kiss and a hug. Before you go to bed, they say, I love you. What do they mean? They mean you're special to them? That they they do love you and care for you? You hold a special place in their heart? And do you think it means that no matter what you do, they will always love you? Were you hiding back there? I didn't know he was there. Something started moving under the table. Do you think it means that no matter what you do, when they say, I love you, do you think that means no matter what you do, they will always love you? Yes? It does mean that. Does it mean that because they love you, they will give you everything you want, anytime, anywhere, no matter what? No. No? It doesn't mean that, I assure you. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that they are thinking about your best interests. God in heaven and we switch the devil away and we say our will and mm-hmm. we always protect us. Yes, that's absolutely what love means. That God is in heaven, that He's taking care of us, that He's keeping the devil away, and He's watching over us. It absolutely means that. For, for when your parents say or when you say to someone, when you think, I really, they are so special to me, I love them. What it means is, when your parents say, I love you, it means that they are thinking about your best interests. And as your parents, your grandparents or other family members, as they think about you, when they think, what is the best thing that I could do or be or give for them? It's that you as, as children would grow up to know the Lord Jesus Christ that He would be the apple of your eye. Do you know what that means? The apple of your eye? That He would be the most special. Who does? Your mommy. Your mommy says, I love you. Oh, apple of your eye. Okay. Apple of your eye. I understand. It is something special. It actually, why it's really special. For mommy to say, you're the apple of my eye means you're one and only. And what? Apple on your head? That's something different. That's something different. I promise. Well, I'm going to pray for you this morning, okay? As you think about mommy and daddy telling you, I love you. And as you think about, well, I love you, mom and dad. It means that I want the Lord's best for you. Whatever that is. Even though sometimes what you get may not be what you want. Okay? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these covenant children that you have gifted to us. And Lord, I thank you. 
for them being here this morning, being part of this worship service and part of our church family. And Lord, I pray that you would grow them up to know you, that they would know the true love of Jesus through our families. What a sacred privilege and trust it is that we would raise children to know you. And Lord, I pray as we covenant together as a church family to encourage other families that we would see this as part of the work that you have given us to not only go out and do a job, but also to raise children to grow up to know you. Lord, I thank you for each of them here this morning, and I pray, looking to you, that one day we will hear that they have cried out to you in faith and made the Lord Jesus the Lord of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. This morning for our responsive reading, please turn in your hymnal to page number 818. We're going to be reciting together Psalm 93, page 818. I'll begin with the light portion. Please respond out loud together with the bold. Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. The seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Your statutes stand firm. Let's stand together as we continue to worship and turn in your hymnal to number 447, Christ for the World We Sing.
seated. Just before our pastoral prayer time this morning, I wanted to share with you that we had a, a wonderful time in Sunday school hearing from Roger and Laura Dye as they were here to share with us. And I wanted to uh, use our pastoral prayer time this morning to pray for them. They will be going on a trip shortly uh, to Columbia to be doing some work. And uh, if you didn't have a chance to listen, um, hopefully, Lord willing, if we had a good recording, we will be uploading that this morning and um, later on this morning, and you can listen to it later. But let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer now. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we may come to you as our heavenly Father to lift up our hearts and our concerns, the things uh, that we have carried with us this past week for griefs and for hurts and pain. Lord, we thank you that you are with us and that you do not leave us in the midst of those. Lord, there are many of us who have uh, requests and things on our minds and hearts that that do trouble us and cause us uh, to be awake at night or early in the morning. And I just pray on behalf of God's people here at Lebanon, Lord, that you would Minister to us by your spirit. Use uh, the songs that we have sung this morning and the scriptures that we will read together to be an encouragement to our hearts that we would be edified and built up in Christ, but also that we would be consoled by the balm of the Lord Jesus and his comfort to us. Lord, I do lift up Roger and Laura to you. I thank you for their time this morning to be with us and to share uh, their heart for Christian ministry and discipleship. And Lord, I pray that you would protect them as they travel soon, that they would be safe as they go, and that you would be providing for all of their needs while they're there. I do pray, Lord, that you would bless their ministry. We thank you for our participation in it. We thank you for their witness for you with those who do not speak English as we do. And Lord, I pray that you would give them quick minds as they do the work that they're doing. And I do pray for them personally, Lord, that you would encourage them in their own personal walk with you. And as a husband and wife, Lord, I pray that you would be sanctifying time for them to be together in your word and in prayer together. I thank you for their children that they shared about this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would have your hand upon them and the paths that they are walking. Lord, I thank you that we could participate in their ministry financially and also through prayer. And Lord, I thank you that that has been a a hallmark for Lebanon, loving and serving others through mission work. And I pray, Lord, that we would continue to look to you for the the finances to do it and to look to see the gospel spread around the world. Lord, I pray for many in our body who uh, have needs, physical or uh, spiritual or even financial, Lord. And I pray lifting up our hearts to you as as we look to you to provide for us. Lord, I pray that you would be very near to each of us, even in this hour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Romans and turn to chapter 13. We're going to be reading together uh, verses 7 through 10. Romans chapter 13, verses 7 through 10. This is the word of the Lord. Render therefore to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. This week uh, is week number two out of three weeks on missions emphasis. And the series is entitled The Gospel and Your Neighbor. We're focusing on gospel living and having a heart for loving and serving our neighbor, and also a heart for sharing the gospel with them, what we call evangelism. Last week, we discussed God's heart for the lost in the parable of the lost sheep. And just a reminder, if you have missed a sermon or would like to find one online, they are online on Sermon Audio. There's a link on our website. You can go there to listen to them if you would like. Last week, we saw that God is the good shepherd. He's the one who pursues His people especially the straying lost sheep. And upon finding, there is rejoicing in heaven over sinners who repent. Today, we have God's command to love your neighbor. And Paul addresses this along with these ideas of debts and fulfilling the law. This is a kingdom ethic that Jesus laid down when he shared the law of love. It's not simplistic, even though it might be seeming to be easy to love your neighbor. 
to think of them and to care for them. It's not simplistic, it's weighty. And it's impossible, actually. It exposes our selfishness, our prejudice, and our pride. To love your neighbor is nothing short of walking by the Spirit of God. Him filling your heart and mind. You're not able to do it apart from His grace. Otherwise, it's another work, another thing that we try to do. So this morning as we look at this passage, the sermon is entitled, Love Your Neighbor. And we have three points. The first point is our debt. The second, our neighbor. And lastly, paid in full. So point number one, our debt. And I want to talk about the correct reading and understanding of this passage. Because Paul says very clearly here, Owe no man anything. As soon as you borrow, you're in debt. You know that, right? You take out a loan to buy a house or to buy a car. As soon as you, as soon as you do the transaction, you're in debt. You have to pay. And here he's saying, Owe no man anything. So is Paul teaching that the New Testament understanding about money and debt is don't ever get into debt? No, I don't believe he's saying that. He's saying something very specific about the way that we think about our debts, the way that we think about how we interact with others, how you write checks to pay your bills, how you pay the IRS if they tell you you didn't pay enough. There's a certain way that you're to think about it, a certain mindset that you should have. Is he saying You shouldn't owe anyone anything. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 7 says that the borrower is slave to the lender. You're beholden to them because they've given you something. Psalm 37 verse 21 says that the wicked borrow with no intent to repay. Certainly that would be wrong. But what does he mean? Owe no man anything. Only love one another. Now is he saying don't owe anyone anything but love the people in the church? Or is he having a vision that's maybe a bit bigger than that? We're talking about missions. We're talking about gospel living. So I think certainly this is expanded, not just to those in the church. Even though the Bible says very clearly, do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. But I believe Paul is telling us that we should have a certain way of heart and mind and life. That the way that we express everything that we do is borne out in love. This is an overused word in our day. I love this, or I love that, or I love you. And even as I was talking with the children this morning, I thought about it. Boy, just a few minutes on a Sunday morning to talk to our children about love. And all the things that the world would say that it is. And all the things that the Bible says about love. And so, as I thought about it, and as I thought about this text this morning, he says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. And you say, well, great, there's another debt I'll never repay. I'll be paying my mortgage until they put me in the ground. But here's another debt that you're talking about that I will owe to everyone continually. And here Paul is pointing it out to me. He is saying that this is a perpetual debt. You have a debt of love to one another in the church. You have a debt of love to your family, to your friends, to people that you interact with on a daily basis. It is a perpetual debt because as soon as you pay it, as soon as you love someone, as soon as you serve them in love, it's owed again. So what's Paul saying? And what is it that the Bible says about love? What does Scripture say? It is a critical aspect of our relationship with God that we would love Him as He is due, but also that we would love 
one another. In Leviticus chapter 19, verses 17 to 18, it says that you shall not hate your brother in your heart. Your brother, not just those who are related to you, but those who are part of the family of God. You're to love one another. You can't hold on to hate in your heart. In Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, it says, let love be genuine. Meaning, don't let it be mixed with other things. It must be pure. Love with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing love and honor to one another. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4-7, through the great love chapter, Paul says there, love is patient and love is kind. In Luke chapter 18, verse 22, when Jesus was speaking to a man, He said, one thing you lack, sell everything that you have, Give to the poor and follow me. And again in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up even my body and have not love, it's all for nothing. Is that true? Is that really true? That that's the way the kingdom of God works? That that's how His heart works for His people? What does Paul mean here when he says, Don't owe anyone anything? And what does he mean by this word love? An overused, overextended, misapplied word in our day. It's interesting that we'd even have to define it. But I believe what Paul is talking about here related to a debt is somewhat of a a mindset change for us as we think about relating to one another. And the reason I'm taking the time to do this and to think about it this way is because we must think about how we are believing, think about how we are thinking, so that our minds would be transformed by the the Word of the Gospel. It's not transformed by anything else. And as Roger shared this morning, many of the, the principles of the world are exactly opposite of the Scriptures. So you may say, well, I know what that is. I know what he's talking about. He means treat everybody well. But the Bible means so much more than that when it talks about each of us having a debt of love to one another. A debt of love is something quite different And it's a debt that you can't pay. Love is, in the Bible, a mindset. It's an attitude. And it is the way that you do actions. It's a disposition before it produces a behavior. It's a disposition, meaning it's it's the way your heart feels before the Lord. And it is also the way your heart feels as you relate to other people. As you think about other people, as you size them up. Or compare yourself to them. Love is the way that you see them. It is not necessarily. Love is not necessarily writing checks. Love is not necessarily delivering meals. Or lending a hand and being a servant to others. And it's not necessarily loaning out garden tools. Or giving out other things. Or lending a book. Love is the way that you do the commandments. That God has given. It's the way that you obey God. The way that you serve other people. It's not a list of things. Think about paying taxes. As Paul said in in verse 7, he talked about giving honor to whom honor is due in the same breath that he said, pay taxes to whom taxes are due. Then he says, owe no man anything except to love one another. Why would he group these things together? Paying taxes and honor and love. Paul is talking about a way that you do these things. It's a a way that it pours out of your heart. What God has put into it, but it's the way that it pours out of your heart. And he says that we're to love our neighbor. 
So point number two, we talked about our debt. I believe we each of us have a debt of love, not only to the living God, but to our neighbor. And I'll get back to that in just a moment. But he talks about a neighbor, and he's, I want to ask, who is this neighbor? Who is he or is she? Is it believers or is it all people? Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, I quoted it a minute ago. Let us do good to everyone, especially the household of faith. And according to Jesus, when he taught the, the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, Jesus gave us a picture, an image of what it means to be a neighbor. Typically, we think about debts as something that we incur because someone gave us something. So they've done something for us, we have to do something for them. If you lend me a car, I'll pay you so much every week. Or you invite me to dinner, I'll invite you to dinner. So that everything, the status quo is being kept and nothing is given that isn't being repaid. Yet in the Bible, it's very clear that we are indebted to the Lord Jesus and and to our Heavenly Father in a way that could never be repaid. Have you thought about that in the way that you look to Him? And for many of us, we maybe live under a weight of guilt that for all the love that God has given me in Christ Jesus, I must spend the rest of my life trying to pay Him back. I need to serve. I need to do things for others. I need to try my best so that He'll be pleased. But do you understand that if you look at God that way, you're trying to make small the cross and little Jesus. He gave you something you could never repay. Not so that you would try to earn it or so that you would try to pay Him back. He did that for you at the total expense of His Son because of love. Not so you pay Him back. So coming to church on Sunday or giving in the offering later in our service or serving on one of our committees or taking care of our children in the nursery or on Sunday nights is not a way to pay God back because of His goodness. It is because He loves us that we get to serve. It is not so we pay Him back for what He has given us. In that parable of the Good Samaritan, this man who had fallen, who had been beaten, who was laying naked on the side of the road, and the priest and the Jewish man, they all went and crossed the other side of the road. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. But that Samaritan man who was walking immediately knew, I have a debt to pay to this man. And he went and took care of him. He knew, I need to love this one. I don't know anything about him. I don't know the circumstances. But I don't really care what anyone thinks. And whatever happens to be to his debt, put it to my account. You say, well, how can that be true? How does he have a debt to that man? We don't know if they ever interacted. What is the debt? Turn in your Bible if you still have it open to Romans chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 14 there just very briefly. This is the Apostle Paul speaking about what he believes about a debt of love. And I'm relating this to how Jesus taught in that parable of the Good Samaritan that the Samaritan man had a debt to the one who was laying on the side of the road. He says in verse 14, I am a debtor both to Greek and to barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
Did you catch what he said in verse 14? He said, I'm a debtor to the Greek and to the barbarian. Well, how is that possible? And these were some of the people who were looked down upon the most. How is it possible that he has a debt? And how is it that he's going to try to repay this debt? How is that possible? How could you repay a debt that you never got anything for? If you're going to come home and have a debt, you probably should have something in your hand to show for it, right? You say, well, we owe this much. Then there better be something good to see for it. And what Paul was saying is that because I have been given everything in Christ, He has paid every price for me. And all of His love has been given to me as His Son. And I have been commissioned as His Son to share the Gospel with everyone. I have a debt that I must repay. And the debt that I'm paying is to love everyone with the Gospel and point them to Him. I'm preaching the Gospel and loving them by telling them about Him. And I can't help but do it. And yes, I am a debtor to mercy alone as the hymn writer wrote But I am a debtor and I am joyfully paying that debt by spreading the gospel. That's what Paul is saying there in Romans chapter 1. He's loving them with the gospel. So is it conditional who our neighbor is? Is it conditional? Can I choose who is worthy of this love that you're saying, Pastor, we should be giving out? Is there a group that I should be seeking out? And I would say no. Because nobody is worthy of your love, much less that you were worthy of the love that the Lord Jesus Christ shed for you by giving His body and blood on the cross. You weren't worthy of it. No more than your neighbor is worthy of you giving him your love. But you might say, well, surely there's a curve here. Maybe there are people that I don't have to pay this debt to, especially those who were unlovely back to me or those who don't treat me well or those who hear the Gospel and don't believe, maybe they can be left out. And Paul says, love your neighbor. And he qualifies it with this little phrase, as yourself. Why does Paul refer to it this way? Why does he say, love your neighbor as yourself? This is not a command from Paul to love yourself. And it's not rooted in self-esteem either. Learn to love you first, and then you can love other people. It's not that. John Piper says we all have an enormous love affair with ourselves. Love is the pursuit of our happiness and enjoyment of life with all of our creativity, energy, perseverance, and endurance. That capacity in each of us to please ourselves, to love ourselves, is extremely high. This is not loving your neighbor by doing a list of things for them. It's taking all of that creativity and enjoyment and excitement and energy that you would put into loving yourself by loving them. The same energy and excitement that you would hope to see enjoyment of life in yourself. Paul is saying that same excitement and enjoyment. Put that energy into loving your neighbor. Make your desire for your own life and happiness the measure of your desire for other people's happiness, enjoyment in Jesus. I don't think that happiness in an end is enough. It's not enough. Our hearts were made for eternity to be satisfied with Jesus only. So to do things just so other people will be happy is not enough. You're to spend your life so that others might see Him and be satisfied with Him alone. Lastly, paid in full. And I want to ask a question, maybe you've been asking it. How did I get into a debt of love with my neighbor 
when I received nothing for this debt that I've incurred. I said a few moments ago, if you come home and say we're $20,000 in debt today, there better be a reason, right? I want to know what it is. I want, to, I want to see what it is that we're getting for that debt. Paul tells us that the barbarian and the Greek did nothing and he owed them everything. He owed them every ounce of energy in sharing the gospel with him. Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter 13, As I have loved you, and that's, that's the top of the bar, as I have loved you, so you love one another. Jesus gave us the highest, best, most satisfying gift ever. And it almost seems to diminish it to talk about it being the best gift ever, but He did. And we celebrated that last Sunday as we came to the table of the Lord's grace. Paid in full. Your debt was paid in full. Jesus paid a debt for me he, and for you. He removed our sin, our guilt, our condemnation, and He has forgiven us. That is a debt that Jesus paid for us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says that He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. 1 Peter chapter 3, 18 for Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. That's you and me. Christ did that for us, making our debt be totally canceled out because all of it was laid on Him. Paid in full. Lastly, Jesus secured a place. It says that He secured a place, not just that we would go and be away from Him. It would be one thing if you found a friend or someone else and you decided, I'll pay the debt. Now you can go home and be free. Don't worry about it. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, I'm paying the debt. I will incur all of it on myself. And after I pay it, I'm welcoming you into my home as a son or a daughter. He said that He did. Peter says He did all of this to deliver us to God. That we would be beloved and cherished. That we would be in a relationship with Him forever. 1 Peter 3.18 says that He might bring us to God. Think about the great shepherd who went after the one sheep. Do you believe that about yourself? Do you believe that you're like that one lost sheep? That Jesus came after you and having found you and calling you to Himself to repentance of your sins and faith in His work on the cross that He is joining, rejoicing in heaven because of it. Do you know that love? Is it yours? Do you believe that He has poured out His love in your heart? That Jesus died for you? Do you believe that? Is He your Savior? I said just a moment ago, and I want to define it again as we close, love is doing whatever you have to do for other people to see Jesus at any cost to be enthralled with and satisfied with God and with nothing else. Think about your life, dear ones. As you get up tomorrow and get ready to go to work and wipe the sleep out of your eyes and put your back into what God has given you to do. As you think about maybe caring for your children or working with a co-worker. Do you think about everything that you do, all of your life, as part of loving people that they might be enthralled with Jesus and satisfied with nothing else? Do you know that kind of love yourself? Are you satisfied with Jesus and nothing else? Or is there something else that your heart is running after? You should cry out to the Lord today in repentance. Lord, I love other things more than I love You. And that's a prayer each of us can pray. 
Jesus said, They will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. May God gift each of us by His Spirit a measure of His grace that we would share His love with other people. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. It is a high and a a lofty mark to say love one another as I have loved You. For Jesus to speak to the disciples in all that He did. And yet that's the the calling that You have placed on each of us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would love others. That we would point them to You. Lord, I pray that You would fill us with Your Spirit to do that. That as people see us, that they would see us fading into the background and the Lord Jesus being lifted up and exalted. That they would see Him as the most beautiful person in the entire universe by Your grace. Lord, we thank You and we praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. There's an insert in your bulletin for the next song that we're going to sing. They'll know we're Christians by our love. Let's stand together and sing.
Father, we thank You that we may give back to You a portion of what You have so richly poured out and blessed our families with. We dedicate our tithes and our offering to You now that You would use it for the sake of the spreading of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that You would, because of this obedience, call lost souls out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Lord, we pray that You would do this for the sake of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. evening at 6 p.m. Receive the benediction of our Lord from Romans chapter 15. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.